Welcome again to another edition of Back and Forth, the podcast where we take a topic and we talk both sides of it. Uh, as we know about things in the financial industry, they are not always one direction, one way, always the way it is correct for everybody. So we want to make sure we dissect those and, and talk about where it can be beneficial on both sides, maybe outcomes that could be uh, one way or another. And so today, that's going to be kind of the direction we go in. We're going to talk about the election, which I know for a lot of people, uh, that has been very low on the priority list uh, with everything that's been going on uh, in our society. But we still have an election coming up. And although it's been a not so normal year, you know, no election year is really normal uh, if we look back in history. (laughs) And so what we want to do is look at some of the data. Obviously, we can't predict perfectly what's going to happen, but we are going to look at some of that data and try to give some input on what we could think would happen uh, with this election year. Because again, there's data that I think supports both sides, you know, as we've been looking at it, uh, especially, you know, with all of the things that have happened this year. And as we look back at historical events, we want to make sure that we're seeing this from both situations, but also seeing the big picture of uh, what impact market events and market results need to have on the way that we invest our money, regardless of the outcome. So so as we look at this, um, again, want to be in a position to understand election years. The two sides that we're looking at today are Is the election this year going to cause the markets to have a negative impact or is the election going to have a positive impact on market returns? And so I'm going to take the negative approach today. Zach will be uh, the Mr. Positive. And again, to introduce Zach, um, my name is John Vandergriff. For those that don't know me, uh, Zach Hill is, you know, our operations team lead, portfolio management guru owner of Remedy Coffee. Uh, So downtown, if you're a coffee man, go, or lady, go there. They don't discriminate. (laughs) If you love coffee, go get it there. Um, So anyway, uh, as we look at election years, and again, Zach will spend more time on this, you look at this from the aspect of, generally speaking, election years are positive when it comes to market returns. However, we have had four instances when the markets returned a negative result in an election year. And what's interesting is all four of those events had larger uh, impacts outside of the election that were impacting the financial results of the market. So it wasn't that, oh, gosh, the people hate who got elected because, generally speaking, they probably (laughs) wouldn't have got elected. It's popular vote in most systems. Um, But as we look at this, you know, those things that are happening outside of the world of politics can have a tremendous impact, not only on the financial ramifications, but also how history looks back on uh, some of these election years. So the four times that we had a negative result in the presidential election, as far as that coinciding with the stock market negative result, you know, the election was was what it was. Years 1932, 1940, 2000, and 2008. So again, as we look back at history, what things were happening during that cycle. 1932, obviously we were in the midst of a Great Depression in our country that started in the year 1929. Uh, And then 1940, we were seeing still some effects of that depression, but also everyone else in the world was going through a world war that we had not yet gone into, but we're feeling lots of pressure and effects from that uh, as a society. And obviously, you know, in terms of global relations and and things of that time. 
And then as we get into more recent past and, and things that most of us remember, uh, 2000 was when we had the dot-com bubble burst, you know, and that was when obviously the mm-hmm. election happened before 2000 was up. And then we saw uh, 2008, uh, the election happened shortly after Lehman Brothers had failed and started mm-hmm. basically the uh, great financial recession <laughs> that we had in 2008. Uh, that's kind of 07 to 09 in its lifetime, you know, but so as we look at that, you know, bigger impacts outside of it. And so as we look at this year, could COVID-19 coronavirus, this pandemic be that kind of historical event that causes that type of negative market reaction, regardless of who wins the election, you know, could that be just so great of a um, mountain to climb or, you know, Right. Wave to overcome, whatever terminology you want to use there. Is that going to be the thing that really derails the market that has nothing to do with the election? Yeah. And it's interesting that you mentioned Lehman Brothers because when you look back, 2008 is the most recent one, so we can kind of remember that a little bit better. But that was in September of 2008, like you said. That's two months before the election hits in November. And so right now we're seeing, as we sit here at, in the middle of July, uh, we still haven't seen COVID cases peak in the U.S., so are we going to look back on this in 10 years and say, well, this ha- they peaked two months before the election, and then in retrospect, it looks so obvious why markets were down in t- 2008, but right now it's a little bit, you know, we see, okay, the election, we don't know how markets are going to respond to the election. We don't know how we're, they're going to respond to the COVID-19 cases. We just really don't know. There's a lot of uncertainty around that, and so well, uh, we t- we have talked about this before, but if there's one thing markets hate, it is uncertainty. Yep. And so again, with, with so much uncertainty, not just with the pandemic, but also with elections, you know, and and I think uh, there's no clear cut answer as far as who's just running away with the race right now. (laughs) You know, I think it's, you know, there's definitely a lot of people in both camps that feel like they're very good position (laughs) to, you know, win the election. And so there's not a clear cut favorite, which again, that uncertainty is going to probably lead to more volatility. And so Mm -hmm. the question is, will that volatility kind of compound the the impacts of things outside of it? Or will the economic data and the response back from the pandemic overwhelm the market volatility that comes from the election turmoil? Because I think that that's going to be the key, you know, and, you know, we had talked some and, and, our office about, you know, quarterly reviewing and Zach had done a great job reviewing that. And, and what we saw in the first quarter was terrible market performance with very strong economic indicators still. Mm-hmm. Second quarter was tremendous market performance with poor economic indicators. The third quarter is really yeah. maybe, you know, <laughs> both up or both down, depending on kind of how different things turn. So like yeah. you said, I think a lot of that uncertainty could lead us into a negative situation regardless of what happens in the election again it doesn't matter democrat republican we could see a situation where we've got a negative result at the end of the year no matter who gets elected and so that's that's the thing that we have to be aware of with things like the stock market we've got to be in a position where we understand that negative results are happening even though they're not uh, statistically the overwhelming part of what happens you know Mm because even like you, you and I have talked, markets go up more than they go down. Yep. But you've got to invest in the market, not worried about it going down with the per, you know portion of money that you want to have there. You've got to expose it properly 
regardless of what the outcome is at the election or by the end of the year, this needs to be longer than a six-month focus for you right. in the stock market. It needs to be right. a 10-year minimum, probably, position that you want to hold yep. on to. And the market changes. So we've seen this with changes so rapidly right now. Like you said, first quarter, we were in a bear market. Second quarter, we were up. You know, we reversed all, almost all of the gain or losses of Q1 and Q2. It's it's happening. And if you want to speak about something election specific in 2016, the night that we got the election results and Donald Trump surprisingly won, it surprised most people. Markets were down 5% that next day. And then the rest of the quarter rallied. I mean, it was a huge rally the Q, in Q4 of 2016 after he got elected. But the day of, it was we were down 5% that night. Like, yeah. I mean, as soon as it happened. So markets are reacting so quickly that if you don't have a longer term focus in mind to wade through all of that uncertainty and volatility that it uh you just really you really aren't going to know what to do because markets don't know what to do so you really have to have that longer term time frame yeah and so you know as we look at this that's why you know as we look at it i think you know again depending on how pessimistic you are we could see a very negative result that has nothing to do with the election <laughs> part of it or it could have everything to do with it right. depending on how that unfolds the key here is just making mm-hmm. sure that if we're going to place money in the market, we're okay with either direction, you know, yep. at the end of the day. Um, it, it's not ideal to ever lose money, but you have to be willing to have that type of risk tolerance. Otherwise, you don't need to play that game. You need to find somewhere else to place that money. So, you know, as we look at that, we want to make sure um, we cover all our bases. So that covers kind of the negative possibilities. Yep. Zach, as we return, is going to cover the possibilities positive possibilities that are associated with election years, traditionally speaking, and what that could mean for this year. So uh, come back with us in just a second, back with uh, Blue Ridge Wealth uh, and back and forth uh, after this break. In 1916, President Wilson passed a stimulus package that paid for the American efforts to end World War I. In 1933, President Roosevelt's New Deal ended the Great Depression. This is about to pass legislation, but it will greatly ease the mortgage among the farmers, the homeowners of the nation. In 2020, President Trump's $2 trillion stimulus package is helping end the COVID-19 pandemic. The single biggest economic relief package in American history. Do you know what all these acts have in common? Taxes went up. Yes, they solved crises, but Americans paid for them with increased income taxes soon after. Move your money out of taxable accounts now before it's too late. At Blue Ridge Wealth Planners, we create comprehensive plans that include strategic movements between taxable and non-taxable accounts. To schedule your free virtual consultation or phone call with a wealth planner, visit us at planforeverything.com. That's planforeverything.com. Let us plan for everything so you don't have to. All right, welcome back from the break. Uh, back and forth with Blue Ridge Wealth. My name is John. This is Zach. I hit the negative sides of what could happen in negative markets of election years. Zach is going to show us why, statistically speaking, a positive result in the market is more likely with the elections. And so I'll let him get into kind of the nuts and bolts and data with that. So so take it away, Zach. Yeah. Well, you already hit one of the biggest points of all of this is that the S&P most of the time is up on an annual basis. We always know in retrospect why that is. And so you, we mentioned there's just a lot of uncertainty with the economy and with the election and everything. But in retrospect, we can look at it and say, I think the, you know, an easy, quick rule of thumb, it's not exact, but is the S&P is generally up on an annual basis, 75% of the time and down 25% of the time. Right. So you've got a pretty good, I mean, just blanket statement, markets are generally up, um, especially over the long term. Um, so there you was, can almost yeah. apply that to like the election Yeah, exactly. Results. Exactly. So um, 
so that's I think that that is a foundation for everything you know we can base our knowledge on is that typically markets go up over time. If the election, regardless of how it turns out, there's going to be volatility. We know that. We, that's just a given in any year. But we also know that generally markets are up. The second thing that I think is pretty interesting is uh, in 2016, Charles Schwab did a study on performance immediately following an election and the years after. And they found that uh, since 1950, the second year of a president's term, the market, average market gains are 7%. Third year, their average are 16%. And then the fourth year, it's six, but back down to six point, just a 6.6 average return. Yeah. So is that generally there is a, the first year of the, or the year of the election is 6.5%. And then it's all higher than that after that. So mm-hmm. what we're looking at is there might be some short-term volatility, but if you're in it, like we said, have a longer-term focus, you are eventually, uh, historically at least, you've made back your money in the next two, three, four years. And uh, some of that probably, you know, kind of going down a little bit of a rabbit trail has to yeah. do with just the way that a lot of presidents try to organize their campaigns. You yeah. know, like if if they're in their first term, they're trying to really get the job done in years two and three mm-hmm. so that they can make that push for reelection and not shake things up too much in year four, which is kind right. of reflected in that you know, statistic that you gave. So. Yeah, and we, I mean, it's a really weird thing to talk about now in retrospect, but 2008 when Obama won, um, he had, I, I believe he had a supermajority, so he got, he was able to get a lot done the first two years, and he was, of his agenda, and he also took over after the markets had fallen quite a bit. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of interesting things that you can see that happen and generally that have coincided, like you said, with those four years where the markets were down during an election year that I think were pretty interesting. Um, Another thing that's just, it's an interesting stat. Um, I'm not sure, you know, what the takeaway is right now, but it's a pretty interesting stat, which is just that S&P was invented uh, in the 1920s. So there uh, was a study done, and they found that since 1928, uh, the stock market has actually accurately predicted the winner of the election 87% of the time based on the prior three months' data. And so what it found is that if the S&P 500 was higher from in the three months following the, or before the election, so we're talking August, September, October, uh, from those, in those three months, if it was higher, the incumbent party won. And if it was lower, the incumbent party lost. Hmm. And so they found that out with 87% accuracy. That's pretty great. Uh, it's been right every single time since 1984. Uh, so that is something that is just a weird, you know, weird thing that we can look at and say, well, this is pretty interesting to follow. It's been wrong before, but it's yeah. been right most of the time. So uh, what that would say is if markets are up, the incumbent party is going to win. If they're down, the incumbent party is going to lose. So really yeah. August is what we need to be yeah. doing. Yeah. So. If we look, if we start, if we start in August and then look August, September, October, Markets have been pretty good at predicting that. Um, yeah. Which, you know, as you yeah. look at it, that's not a totally un uncorrelated statistic. You no, know, not I mean, at all. Yeah. The, like you talked about, markets generally reflect a lot of people's confidence levels in mm-hmm. what's happening, but also the lack of change that could happen. And as, as people approach that election, if they feel like that incumbent party is going to stay, then that means mm-hmm. less change is going to happen and they're right. more, I guess, 
forthcoming mm-hmm. with money going back into the market yeah. instead of putting it on the sidelines. So. And also, if markets are up and things in the economy are good, they're going to be less likely. There's a lot of people that participate in trade in the market, so there's a lot of people that are voting. So that also can reflect the emotions of the underlying participants in the market at times, too. So things are positive. You don't want to change. Right. And so, so that may yeah. impact the vote that you have more than anything exactly. else to just not rock the boat. Yeah. And so the last uh, stat that I have here that I also think is interesting is just uh, from like going back to what I said, where markets are generally up, is that um, the average stock market return, as we've we've said this before, and it's this isn't going to be exact either, but it, for the S P five hundred, depending on what your start date is, is anywhere between eight and ten percent on an annualized basis. So you can think I'm going to get between eight eight and ten percent annually historically, going back to nineteen twenty eight for the S P five hundred. Um, so that's, that's pretty interesting. Um, the annual return for the stock market during an election year, um, is let's see, 11.2%. So it's right. I mean, that's right in that range. So, I mean, you add a percent onto it, so it's actually somewhat better sometimes, but we're looking at, and you, when you look at all these, all this data and all these stats, you can kind of go going back to where you started is. For the most part, it's generally pretty good. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of historical times that we can look back on and say these part these four years were bad, but overall it's been pretty strong. You know, pretty strong for the market, which follows the historical trend. And so, it's not exactly the most exciting thing to say that markets are up right when they're they're you know they're up 11 percent and they're normally up 10 percent. And so we think that's pretty that's statistically right in line with what we'd expect. And so. Um, we, you know, we can't tell, obviously nobody can tell if this year is going to be one of those historically significant years or yeah. not. It seems like it's going to be just from the first half, but we still have six months to go. Right. But um, looking back at this now, we can sit, you know, we just look at it and say, well, the only thing we know is to look at this data and this data is, it's pretty boring. <laughs> yeah. Which well, is good. Markets don't like volatility. And, you know, if we can, you know, have data that, that is like this, then I think that's a good thing. And hit on to as a piece of that, I think you'd mentioned earlier uh, in the day when we had that review of talking about the percentages if the incumbent wins versus the um, yeah. party change. You know, yeah. talk about that because I think that's an interesting dynamic because most people think, oh, if the incumbent wins, it's great. And if the party change happens, it's terrible and the market's going to just collapse and all this work that yeah. the, the previous regime had done is going to be for not, you know, so hit on that. Yeah, so uh, this is the uh, median return for uh, markets, and this tracks the uh, last 22 election cycles as of 2016. Um, And so the average return, or the median return, so it's not the average, it's the median. The median return for uh, incumbent parties winning the election uh, was 11% that year, and the median return for the party change was 13.2%. Right. So that party change was actually higher, and like we said, that uh, that is, that is interesting because typically markets don't like change, but here's a po- point of change, and so maybe it's good. You know, we saw that like I just like I mentioned in 2016, there was a there was a uh, party change, but in that fourth quarter after the election, markets rallied like crazy. I mean, yeah, we had we had a big rally. So, and uh, I think you know, like you had mentioned earlier, that's not a huge separation between the two. Mm-hmm. But I think that is probably a surprising statistic for a lot of people, especially 
if they're just very partisan in the way that they view their life of, you know, if, if what I know to be true changes, mm-hmm. everything must change and it must change for the negative. And it's one of those things where it's like, I think we get too self, uh, self-involved self with that demographic and, and just mm. if, if, if what we think about life changes, then everything's going to be terrible. And, and it's really not different either way, right. you know, <laughs> and so it's one where, you know, if, if Trump gets elected again and the market continues up, that could happen. If Biden gets elected, that doesn't mean it's going to go down, you right. know, in, in the way that some people, especially, you know, here locally yeah. think about it. So we've got to make sure that we do look at it from the historical context and say, you know, there are things that we know about the stock market that don't change just because this is an election year. Right. It's generally up over a long period of time. You will make money. But that 25%, as you had talked about, that it goes down, it can really go down yep. and it can really impact things. You know, and we've talked a lot. Uh, I know I say this to people a lot, but losses hurt you more than the gains help you. And so, right. you know, that loss potential at the wrong time could be catastrophic, mm-hmm. even though, generally speaking, that market's going to go back right. up for you. It's just the length of time that you have to wait. And yeah. like we said, that long-term perspective really needs to be the focus as you look at not only how you invest your money, but also not being so concerned with the short-term election mm-hmm. that you, you know, put your cards too much in one direction or the other. And, you know, unfortunately get the negative impact of that. You know, people don't ever, I don't think people ever put their money in the stock market with the hope that, yeah, I'd really love to be able to achieve a capital loss <laughs> so that I can knock right. off the, uh, you know, positive gain that I had on something else. You right. know, th- there are some people that think that they have bad luck in that regard, but you know, most people put money in the market hoping that it's going to give that positive return. And again, the numbers suggest over time that that should happen. Right. But we got to kind of wait and see. You know, with this election cycle, what makes it different? Is this pandemic and thing that impacts it, or is it a you know? non-major event once things get kind of back to normal Mm -hmm. uh, and we see the impact of this election cycle who wins and then obviously how that rides out by the end of the year so you know i think go ahead yeah no i was just uh markets uh stock markets when you talk about this it's uh they don't stock market doesn't have any emotion we have emotion it doesn't care who's in the office as long as it gets the underlying economic results that it wants and the companies produce earnings and they have profit and stock market will go up. They don't care. So it's unforgiving in that way where we have, like we said, we have affiliations, we have biases, we have opinions and thoughts and uh, emotions and the markets don't at all. So having that longer term mindset and having that uh, approach where you know that Generally, markets go up, but I may have to stay in it for a few years to achieve those results. I may this may be one of those 2000 2008 election year scenarios, but having that mindset because the market doesn't care about your portfolio, it cares about the overall economy. It doesn't care about who's in who's in the White House as long as that benefits the overall market performance. So, yeah, and I think that's interesting the way you said that of the market has no emotion yet we have a lot of emotion yeah. in how we react to it, and so. You know, if just by a rule of thumb, if we handle the market the way the market acts, we will probably be in a much better position at the end of the day because we're removing that emotion out and right. and just looking at the facts of, 
you know, the economic indicators look good. Everything that's driving this with supply and demand mm. is causing this to generally trend up. And, you know, that that will allow, allow you to hopefully avoid some of the pitfalls that the average investor has mm. and, and be in a position to, you know, build that into a very important piece. Because, again, you know, we, I think, sometimes can come across as very harsh on the market, you know, right. as we look at retirement planning. But the market can be one of those things that is vital to helping that longevity of a person to not outlive their money right. and, and keep up with those inflationary increases, even though the market doesn't follow inflation per se. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not a direct correlation. But over time, if you have something that generally grows, right. it's going to respond to a generally growing inflationary environment. So yeah. so as we look at that, it, it is something that you do, but you've got to handle it with a, a certain level of care, with a certain level of lack of emotion, you know, yeah. as you said, uh, but also helping it find its proper place and fit in a retirement plan, I right. think is key, regardless of this being 2020 election, you know, so, so hopefully, you know, you've learned some things today, you've seen a little bit of history. Uh, and the thing that you always have to take with a grain of salt is even though we've got historical indicators on both sides, these will not predict <laughs> the future. Okay. Nope. Um, you know, at the, we'll find out in 2020 election in November, whether you were right or I was yeah. right. You know, but but it's I not. I tell everybody, I'm pro I'm I'm going to be wrong at some point, so don't. <laughs> yeah, and and I'm wrong all the time, so it's, you know. But but again, as we look at this, this is another example of how both sides matter. Both sides help us make decisions, and so thank you for joining us on back and forth. We look forward to talking to you again on both sides of another topic. Investment advisory services offered through Blue Ridge Wealth Planners, a registered investment advisor. Securities offered through Madison Avenue Securities, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, MAS, and Blue Ridge Wealth Planners are not affiliated companies.